in the process of creating art, we're forced to confront the unhealed, unintegrated, unreconciled parts of ourselves in order to create authentic art. Because it's really about coming back into relationship with who we are authentically. And that's what is at the forefront of my work with men so that they can go from this identity that is focused on getting paid and getting laid to like their divine purpose, their higher purpose, their mission in life that is always bigger than the individual and is always meant to outlast the individual. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Hi, be it babe. All right. We have a really awesome guest today. I'm really excited about it because I just finished talking to him. Um, So we had Carrie Ford on earlier this year and she was a phenomenal somatic um, coach for women. And she um, was asking me if I wanted to, if I thought that her uh, partner would be a great fit for you guys. And I heard about his book. I heard about what he does. And I was like, absolutely. We actually need to talk about this because I think, first of all, even though you will hear him say he's a men's transformational coach, a lot of what we talked about is about perfectionism and why why some of us would use perfectionism in our life or procrastination. So please take a listen from the lens of like what how how am I using that in my life and 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 what is that like? And then holy fucking moly, like holy fucking moly, the be action items at the end. I've I'm already I wrote them down after the whole interview was over so that I could use them right away. They're very action oriented, easy to use and apply right away. And so you definitely want to stick all the way to the end. And I just want to say thank you to Jacob for being here. Thank you for sharing his story. And also thank you for you listening. We bring in different guests all the time because I know that sometimes we can, I can hear something from one person and it can be like the thing that I needed that day and you can hear it and it could be the thing you needed yesterday, next week for a friend. And then we have another person come on and they say something a little bit differently about the same thing. And it can just start to help peel back the layers that help us eventually be it till we see it because being it till we see it is not easy. It is not something that like you just decide and like it happens. No problem. Every single day. It is a decision you have to make every single day over and over and over again, because it's actually kind of easy to not be it till we see it to just wait and like let things happen to us. So anyways, Jacob Kaufman, thank you for being the guest here. He is. And please y'all let me know if you used his beat action items. All right, be it babe. I got a special guest. Um, I mean, they're all special, but this one is actually a very special person to a wonderful friend of mine who's been on the show and you loved her episode very much. So um, Carrie Ford was like, you, if you, if you like me, you'll probably like this person and maybe they'll be able to spill some, shine some light of love for all of us here. So we have Jacob Kaufman in the house and you are a newly published author, sir. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you're rocking at? 
I can absolutely do that. Thanks again for having me. It's a, a pleasure to be here. So my name is Jacob Kaufman, like you already mentioned. Um, I'm a men's transformation coach, spiritual mentor, business mentor, and author. And, and I just recently released my first book. It's called Let Love In, The Pain Stops When the Truth Starts. And the, the focus of my work, uh, especially with men, is, is just that is coming into relationship with their deepest truth, their highest, most authentic self to bring more of their unique essence forward in the world and and their mission. Yeah. I mean, that's a big feat. That's a, <laughs> it's not a small task. So I guess like where we, should, <laughs> where we should start is like kind of um, what made you want to start doing this? Like, I mean, is this something you grew mm -hmm. up wanting to do? Is it something that kind of found you? Like, how did you get to doing this that made you write this book? Oh man, that's a that's a really good question. Um the short story is, you know, I I very much believe in what Dickens said that our calling is our curse. Hmm. It's the thing that we can't not do. Um and so for me in many respects that was this book. I always knew that I was going to write a book, that I wanted to write a book. I think everybody has a book in them, personally speaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just a question of whether or not we actually get around to writing it. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I didn't seek out this story. This story absolutely found me because, uh, and just backstory, where the book kind of starts is me sharing my story of sexual abuse on social media, online. And having this full body panic attack that resulted in what is clinically referred to as an acute nervous system breakdown. Mm. So my nervous system just collapsed mm. under the weight of all of the connection that sharing created. The input was just too much mm. and it overrided my system and it created a slew of health problems. I mean, immediately I started to vomit uncontrollably, cry uncontrollably, uh, nausea, vertigo, all the things. And this is great. Like, hold on. So what, yeah. but do, when you went to the doctor, is this what they diagnosed you with? Or is this something you had to like, figure? I feel like that could also be like, they'd be like, did you eat something, Jacob? Like, sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> have you I, been around anybody recently? <laughs> yeah, no, ac absolutely. Um, I didn't actually go to a clinical doctor. I went to a psychotherapist mm. because I, I knew on some intrinsic level that what I was experiencing was mental, emotional. Got it. And so I went to uh, that type of clinician and sought that counsel and they started going through with me. Okay. You were abused. How did that impact you? How did that affect you? Not just at the time of the incident, but after the incident as well, as you can probably imagine. So um, my abuse, as is with most abuse, it's very multifaceted, right? There's what happened before leading up to it. There's what happened. There's what was going on around you when it happened. And then there's what happened after the fact, you know, did you ever experience any proper mirroring around this incredibly mm. painful experience? And, and for me, and for a lot of people, the answer was no. And so because of that, as you can probably imagine, one of my primary coping mechanisms was to pretend as if I was fine as if I was okay and had it all together when in fact inside I was shattered um, because of what happened. Um, I was humiliated. I felt so much shame and embarrassment and all these other things, bitterness, resentment. And I just continued to carry those things around with me. Unfortunately, after that incident, 
depth of connection, love, intimacy fundamentally felt unsafe. And so yeah. when I got around to sharing my story on social media, the amount of connection that I experienced, the amount of intimacy, because now everyone on the internet <laughs> knows my deepest, darkest, most shameful secret, it just was too much, too soon, too fast, and yeah. was arguably traumatic in and of itself. And it, it forced me, as you can imagine, to do significantly deeper work on myself because here I am thinking, oh, I've really worked through this experience. I'm a coach and I'm coaching a lot of people. And, you know, I've done a ton of work on myself. I've gone through therapy around, you know, this particular incident. And I feel comfortable sharing it with the world um, to do so for other people's benefit so that they can, yeah. you know, feel permission to step into their healing journey, learn whatever lessons they can from my experience and what I did to work through it, et cetera, et cetera. And here I am confronted by the need for significantly deeper healing. It was mm. very humbling. Yeah. And, and I, so that's what, that's what prompted the book because my th therapist was like, you should really journal about what's coming up for you. I think that would be very beneficial. And I was like, good idea. <laughs> so that's what you did. Yeah. That's what I did. And it became a book. Yeah. I, First of all, like, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people probably have shared things thinking they are ready to. Yeah. And then like, there's, you know, social media is such an interesting thing, right? Because I think we can like sure. learn so much. And I do think it's a great place mm -hmm. to share something. Like I recently had something dramatic happen and I was so angry about it that I was like, where can I take this? I'm going to take it to Instagram and I'm going to... I'm going to put sure. it there. And it is a no <laughs> yeah. at, all, at all level that I'm measuring my thing to what you just said. But I remember then having all the comments coming yeah. through and I was like, whoa, I actually don't know that I was ready to, like they were all supportive. Everything was really great. But it was almost sure. like I actually not processed with this thing yet. <laughs> and now, right, right, right. And now I'm reading all this stuff. And while helpful, it's overwhelming. And so I guess like, right. Because I don't think that the whole the we're we're not saying here is like don't share, but like what sure. are some things that maybe you'd wish you'd gone through prior to to just feel a little bit more prepared for that, or what what are some takeaways mm. that we could have? Or do you, is that something you have, or is that like on a personal level everyone's got to do their own thing, and then like know the signs that you maybe you're overloaded and you need a therapist? Yeah, well, what I experience is in clinically speaking is called flooding. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just too much, too soon, too fast. And that is in and of itself traumatic. And so it's very difficult to tell because the majority of what holds us back is unconscious. Right. The primary goal of the ego is to maintain the status quo. And what's the best way for it to do that? It's to hide the truth from you. Mm -hmm. So how does that manifest itself? It typically manifests itself as people downplaying what has happened to them and how it actually impacted them. We now know that trauma is significantly more about what happened inside of you as a result of what happened to you, as opposed to what actually happened. Mm -hmm. right? So it's how you internalized it, the stories and the beliefs that you made up about yourself as a result. But I think my biggest lesson is that healing happens in layers. As much mm -hmm. as I thought I was speaking from the place of perspective. And in many ways I was over the years, I've gone back and I've read that post several times, as you can probably imagine, it's been almost five years now. Mm. 
And I still look at that and I'm like, you can tell by the way I talk about it that I've I've done some work on, on myself and I've I've reconciled it, it to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly there was more work left to be done there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just revealed a need for deeper healing. And I think life inherently is three steps forward, two steps back, just like entrepreneurship, which yeah. you know full well. <laughs> and and so I don't think there's any one answer with regard to people's overall experience, especially when it comes to their healing journey, because it's inherently messy. Yeah. Which is like for every single person listening to this, they're either a recover, they're in recovery as a perfectionist or they are one. And so like mm-hmm. messy is not something <laughs> that feels right. good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, perfectionism is, is just a coping strategy. It's just a survival strategy. Mm. Just like what I was doing, acting, acting as if I was fine, acting as if mm-hmm. I was successful, even acting as if I was vulnerable, when in reality, it was a way in which I controlled the level of connection and relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of these different things are just masks, yeah. right? Different aspects of our personality that are actually born out of pain or in an attempt to prevent pain. And, and so un, until we work through these things, until we fully reconcile the past, what are we going to do? We're going to inevitably end up recycling it in the present moment yeah. and projecting it onto other people. So if you're struggling with perfectionism, there's, cause you're also talking to a recovering perfectionist. Yeah. Hi. Because <laughs> welcome, right, welcome yeah. to the meeting. Did you know it was today? <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Because I mean. I don't know about you, but like I grew up in an emotionally unsafe environment. Uh, And so perfectionism and procrastination kind of became a way by which I coped because no child is safe to feel that they are unsafe. So they need to develop very advanced coping mechanisms in order to avoid feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And so if you're still dealing with that, um, and this isn't a judgment on anyone. It's more so just an observation. But if that's still a significant struggle in your life, that's likely a sign that you haven't reconciled some things from the past. Because in my experience, the more you do this work, um, the less you struggle with those things over time. And obviously, the path is never linear. It is very much, you know, up and down and um, you know, falling down is is kind of an inherent part of yeah. learning how to walk. Same thing is true for healing, you know, or addiction. Relapsing is kind of a part of it. Yeah. You know, any sponsor would tell you that if you've ever been through any type of 12-step program. Um, and I think that's true for healing as well, that regressing is just a natural part of it. But if it's really consistent uh, still for you, um, awareness is only going to take you so far because yeah. it's one thing to uncover something. It's a totally other thing to undo it. Yeah, I know. Um, it's uh, it's it's almost like you have to like hit, you know, you have to hit publish before it's like knowing that it's full of mistakes and just like not like you just have to do the thing. You have to take those actions and it's a little hard. I um I also think yeah. that like, you know, with, with all of those things, it's like recognizing when it's happening and then also trying mm-hmm. to shorten the time frame of which that thing is happening. So like how long are you going to totally. live in in the thing, in the in the forcing something to be perfect? Is it can you get over it faster? Mm-hmm. And like also it's so hard to not judge ourselves along the healing journey. Did you find like 
and and maybe this is in your book and, and you explain this a lot with the people you work with, but like, do you find that like there was a hard part of like letting yourself be in that process? Because if you'd thought you'd healed and then you went through this whole thing, I'm sure that there was some judgment towards yourself or some wondering like, where did I miss this? Oh, totally. Like making up stories about like, is there something wrong with me? Mm. Or, you know, am I actually as far along as I think I am, you know, all of these different things that come up for us whenever we experience something painful or uncomfortable um, or, you know, a tragedy or fail. Yeah. Um, You know, it's only natural that those things come up. I think those things are there to teach us something though, because it's not those stories that are the issue. It's typically how we react or respond to those things because those stories create an emotion, an emotion, an emotional response. And that emotional response leads to actions and decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's not the stories that are, are, are the issue. It's acting from the space of those stories. That's the issue. The problem is we get like stuck there, right? We, we self-identify with those stories we make it personal and and then we get stuck in the space of whatever emotions come on the back end of, of it, self-judgment, which oftentimes leads to sadness or frustration, right? And then we just kind of get lost in the sauce, right? We don't take inspired action. We have a we have difficulty tapping into creativity, for example, um, inspiration. And so because of that, we have a really hard time progressing because yeah. there's this inherent amount of internal resistance that's holding us back because of the emotions that are attached to these stories that, you know, we're kind of consistently feeding uh, rather than, than, than seeking to simply understand better. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, it was about a little over a year ago. Um, I got into a situation on a phone call with a family member and I was so angry and I immediately mm-hmm. emailed my therapist. I was like, I need an emergency meeting this week. Here's what happened. Do you have any time this week? And she got on the call with me and she's like, it's actually okay. You got angry. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, it is okay that I got angry. That thing they yeah. said made me angry. I'm allowed to be angry. She said, what's not sure. okay is that you judge yourself for being angry. <laughs> And I was like, ah, oh, thank you. That's where the work, I still work there. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you're like five minutes. I'm good. I'll bully you for an hour. I was like, you okay, can get off now. thanks. Go to your next client. I'm. <laughs> thanks for the reminder. But it's just so funny because totally. we can get stuck in the, like the, perf- uh, for me, it was like the perfection. That I shouldn't have somehow been able, I should not have reacted. It's like the thought that I told myself, like I should be so healed yeah. with that, that I won't even react when they say something that's infuriating. No, you're allowed yep. to be infuriated <laughs> say something infuriating (laughs) totally (laughs) you know yeah i mean but the problem is nobody ever taught us how to be angry yeah so i guess like let's talk about when you decided to write this book and you are a men's transformation coach like what what does that actually even mean let's (laughs) if someone's listening like what does that mean what do you do and because we have a lot of listeners who are mostly women but they obviously have men in their lives and i'm sure they're they're doing their work and they're wishing their partners or their their friends or family members had done their own so what does that look like yeah well it's a complete undoing as you can probably imagine Mm -hmm. you know in the first half of life we fight the devil in the second half of life we fight god so let me use a client as an example that I spoke with today. Very driven, very assertive. He's a doctor. 
very ambitious. But in and through our work together, it became very clear that the unconscious motivation beneath his drive was to prove to himself and to other people that he was not his dad. Mm. So his stance, his primary stance is to be against, Mm -hmm. is to be in opposition to something. And that's what I mean by that when I say fight the devil, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever that thing is, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to prove to yourself or prove to someone else that you are not this or you are not that. Okay. I follow. It's called the false self that we all develop when we're kids, who we think we need to be in order to be loved, accepted, and successful, Mm -hmm. which is in response to pain or in order to prevent pain from happening. Mm -hmm. That has to come undone in order for us to truly live out our unique purpose. It has to, because it's not who we truly are. It's who we think we need to be again. Yeah. Right. And so it puts us at odds within ourselves because we're not acting from our authentic nature. We're simply playing a role. We're playing a part. We have something to prove. We have something to protect. For me, I had something to protect. I never wanted to be abused again. I never wanted to be taken advantage of or humiliated in that way ever again. For my client, he had something to prove that he was not his dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, what ends up happening, if that's your stance, it just continues to follow you around. And people create an, create an incredible amount of success from this space, but they don't know peace. Mm. They don't know ease. Because what's driving, in many ways, their behavior? It's ultimately avoidance. Right. And so that becomes the fuel by which people, a lot of people, especially men, rely upon in an attempt to succeed. But it's kind of like gasoline. Gasoline is a great fuel. It burns hot. It's very explosive, but it goes out fast. And so you have more men who are depressed more than ever before. Yeah. More men who report, and this is actually true for both men and women. I'm simply saying this from the perspective of being a men's coach. You have more men struggling with anxiety and on anti-anxiety medication than ever before. Because that's what happens when you live in a society that is bent on performance. Yeah. What does that what does that end up doing? It tees you up for a life of performance, which creates a pressure cooker. So what do you do? You suppress the less than desirable qualities or characteristics about yourself and you posture and you position, you bolster the the more than ideal qualities uh, and characteristics about yourself. That, But that puts us at odds within ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I just interviewed somebody on like, uh, like, off, like true like masculine and feminine energy and how we all have both yeah. and, and, and sure. if you have a, if you're a couple there's four energies in there there's it's different how many how much you lean into one versus the other and it's fascinating yep. because like you can see because our society is like just so much on performance which be it would consider a masculine energy but there's so much of it that no one's actually being taught to cherish any of the emotions that they have or how to handle mm-hmm. them or to do them and so because no one's right 
actually learning that from a childhood perspective. You, we don't find this out. <laughs> if you, right. if you at all cry, if you at all feel your feelings, like that's considered less than. So no one is doing this, and we find out that like, huh. Not many people are happy. A lot of men today don't really actually know who they are, what they want to do. There's a lot of anxiety you said it. And it's like, yeah. it's because we're not, because we're so much in it, but we're not, we don't actually understand how to use it as a, as a tool for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're just using it as a, as a prevention from like feeling the things we don't want to feel or for, for, for people to not see through and not see the pain or not see the weaknesses there. It's very fascinating to me. So, um, I want to get into your book. Yeah. You just published it um, recently, yeah. so it's out and available. What was that process like? Because obviously, if it is what you're journaling, like now you're sharing those yeah. things again. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> now you're sharing yeah, again. Was... So like, what was that process like? And how did you like do it? Because we've, you know, writing a book is not no small feat. That's really emotional, especially when it's part mm-hmm. of your story. It's not like a business book. I feel like it'd be really easy. But <laughs> totally. a personal yeah. approached book is, is going to be harder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the common joke in the industry is that I can't wait for this book to make a ton of money so that I can go spend it all on therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's the war of art, you know, that Stephen Pressfield wrote a book about, which is the fact that in the process of creating art, we're forced to confront the unhealed, unintegrated, unreconciled parts of ourselves in order to create authentic art because it's really about coming back into relationship with who we are authentically. And that's what is at the forefront of my work with men so that they can go from this identity that is focused on getting paid and getting laid to like their divine purpose, their higher purpose, their mission in life that is always bigger than the individual and is always meant to outlast the individual. Um, And that's like the process of what my book was writing. It was like, there was a a lot of procrastination involved. And so, you know, (laughs) in the spirit of, in the spirit of, you know, um, see it to believe it. Yeah. I had to print off this picture. Uh, I've got the cover uh, designed and well before the book was finished Mm. and printed it off and put it next to my desk to like motivate me. Um, And along with statistics of, um, how many men are abused every year Hmm. less than 1% of men actually ever report their abuse by the way. Um, So these statistics really reminded me that this book is not about me. It's not meant for me. It's meant for other people, right? It's, it's about the message and it's about what it can do for other people to support them in their healing journey. That's what this book is for. Yeah. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that story, how you got it, because I feel like so many people are waiting until this like mm-hmm. perfect moment of when it's going to feel easy and they're going to yeah. feel ready <laughs> to do the thing. And it's like, I feel like ready is yeah. a lie. And I can't imagine like if you had waited till you're ready, this book probably still wouldn't be done. I feel like yeah. ready comes after the, the book is done. You're like, okay, now I'm ready because I've already under the hard part. <laughs> well, I mean... The big thing in that, in what you just said, is most people confuse readiness for a state of being. Mm. Readiness is not a state of being. Readiness mm. is a decision. Mm. Oh, I like that. We're going to rewind that, everyone. Listen to that one more time. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'll say it again. Readiness is not a state of being. Readiness is a decision. 
And to decide literally means to cut off or cut away all other options. When I decided that I was going to write this book, I hired a book writing coach. Mm -hmm. I designed the cover well before the book was finished. I printed it off, put it in a frame. It's up in my bedroom, right? This was years ago. Like I mentioned, well before the book was published. So I had massive skin in the game. Yeah. Right. I, I invested thousands of dollars. I had someone holding me accountable, holding my feet to the fire. And even after that, I hired a book writing agency to support me with the rewrites and the editing process and ultimately the publication process. Um, and so I had massive amounts of skin in the game, but also accountability uh, really supporting me in moving forward. Because if I was left to my own devices, there's no way I would have ever done it myself. I'm not saying that that's true for everybody, but it's true for a lot of people. I, I, I could agree more. Like um, if you think about like if you ever if you subscribe to Gretchen Rubin's like four tendencies, like I am an upholder. I don't actually need a lot of accountability. I'm going to do the thing if I decide I'm going to do it. When I wrote my book, I I almost didn't publish it. The person who helped like ghostwrite it and just like, not ghostwrite, that's the wrong word. She helped me outline it and like make sure yeah. it made cohesive sense and all that stuff. I wrote it. But yep. our contract is done. Same. I had the whole thing and like I just got busy. And sure. she was like two months after, she was like, hey, I haven't seen any movement on this. Like, what are you doing? What's the deal? Yeah. And she said, look, I just really hope that you actually, like, it's a really good book. You should actually put it out there. And if she had not nudged me, I don't know that I would have put it out when I put it out. I probably would have eventually put it out. I probably would have waited till I was ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like I, even as someone who can like do pretty much anything without the accountability, something like that, that we're like, there's so much put into it and there's a lot mm -hmm. on the line you kind of yeah. need some some skin in the game and you need an accountability. You mm -hmm. just need someone to remind you that you're doing a great job and, and get yeah, it out there. It's going to totally. help people because we can tell ourselves a crazy, amazing story about how it doesn't need to be out there yet. Yeah. Uh, you're 100% you're spot on. Um, and so in terms of, you know, in the spirit of the podcast, you know, everything manifests first in where? In our imagination. Mm -hmm. I always knew that I was going to write a book that, positively impacted the lives of people. Now, I'm not taking any responsibility for that necessarily, because in many ways, like I do feel like your higher purpose is kind of given to you or yeah. imparted to you, if you will, by, you know, God, life, fate, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, going back to, you know, your, your calling is your curse. It's the thing that you can't not do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's why most people die with regret is because they don't actually bring that or make that manifest. And so you really have to know yourself and know the conditions that are necessary for you in order to, to make that manifest. You know, for me, it was raising the bar on myself and growing into the person that I needed to be in order to reach it. And I think in many respects, that's true for a lot of us. Uh, I don't think everyone needs like incredibly strict accountability necessarily in, in some respects that can actually do more harm than good. It can be counterproductive. You know, what's healthy and beneficial for one person can be detrimental to somebody yeah. else. But, you know, if, if we speak in general terms, I think that's what we kind of really need to do for ourselves in the process of engaging in the war of art and making manifest our purpose is we're going to have point of no return experiences. Mm -hmm. And a point of no return experience is, you know, at, at least not to get all technical, 
is um, actually defined as a um, financial commitment toward the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's your skin in the game. Yeah. Right. Most people are, are really good at talking, you know, but poor in action taking. And that's uh, by design because what we say is connected to our conscious mind, but what we actually do is connected to our unconscious. Mm. And that's that's where I support a lot of my clients with is is aligning their unconscious beliefs to match their conscious desires. Because if they don't, there's going to be a lack of congruence there and it's going to be a round peg square whole situation. So yeah. when it comes to manifesting the life, the abundance, the relationship that you want, those two things have to be in alignment. You know, otherwise you're just, you're swimming upstream. Yeah. And, and it's going to be very, very difficult to bring into fruition, bring into creation that which you deeply desire, whether it's a book or something else. Yeah. So I feel like once the book is out there, and like yeah. it's doing its thing. Um, yep. There's like, are you, are you currently working on like something else? Are you excited about the next step of something else? Or are you, where are you enjoying the process of the book being out there and it helping and getting through as many people as possible? Like, where are you at right now? Jessica? Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, as somebody who identifies, self-identifies as an author, I do believe on some level that every author is always kind of writing their next book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even even if it's even if it's only in their head. Yeah. I am doing that, yes. <laughs> um I am not currently acting on it. I'm actually intentionally consciously restraining myself from doing that because I I really want to give this book its due diligence. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's so easy. I know many of the people yeah. listening as recovering overachievers. Hello, that's me too. That's a meeting that's happening in the next hour. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, It's like you go and you like, you hit the thing, you publish the book or you, you do the race or you, whatever it is. And then you're like on to the next goal. Like we don't actually like sit in the moment of like Mm -hmm. the celebration of what you just did. It's a really big deal. And also like, you know, really give it its due, due diligence, its due course to get it out there. And in many people's because what's what people don't realize is you publish a book, it's not like the field of dreams is the biggest lie ever sold to every American on this planet. Anyone who saw it, like if you build it, they don't come. You have to talk about it 17 times and totally. then 17 more times and, <laughs> and then 17 yeah. more times. And then maybe on the 37th time they go, oh, you wrote a book? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, totally. Where do you get um, that book? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you point out something really powerful, which is that in and of itself can actually be its own act of self-sabotage, you know, moving on to the next thing, because you have this high, this significant pivotal moment, whether it's writing a book or whether it's, you know, accomplishing something significant in your career and you move on to the next thing because hedonic adaptation kicks in, which is that our we return to our baseline level of happiness, Mm. which is determined um, by four primary things. 50% of it is genetics, actually. (laughs) Uh, The other 50% is based on attitude, outlook, and environment. Mm. That makes so much sense. I get that. So we return to our baseline level of happiness after the high, we have the come down, right? Uh, simply put. And oftentimes people 
are really uncomfortable with what they find there. Because mm. their life in many respects is the same. Yeah. Right? Th- their circumstances might have adjusted slightly, whether it's like more money in the bank or more recognition, but how they feel internally is the same. Yeah. So it's a it's just the same package, different bow, same song, different dance scenario. And, and people are forced to confront the reality of who they are and who they've become in that moment. And so by moving on to the next thing, what do they get to do? They get to ride the high they get, again. They get to avoid being in that space. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. now they're chasing after the next thing, right? And that's where so many people find themselves nowadays is chasing after rainbows. So yeah, to answer your question, my goal is to absolutely give this book, you know, it's due prudence, it's time in the limelight. I think I said due diligence earlier. Uh, it wasn't the right phrase, but um, get it into the hands of as many people as possible um, so that it can take on a life of its own, essentially, because this is going to outlive me. Right? Yeah. So this is like, this is not connected in many ways to me anymore, although like I wrote it and my name's on it. Um, but it, it is taking on a, a life of its own. I have people buying it in countries all over the world that I've never met, that I've never even spoken to, um, and whose lives that it's impacting. And I'm very humbled by that. Uh, and that's kind of the point, right? It yeah. Is that it, it takes on a life of its own and the people who read it get what they need from it. Yeah. And well, you said like there's the, there's part of our happiness is genetic. And then there's the three parts of it that like, it seems like if you are aware of them and you actually sit with the thing that you just created, you mm-hmm. can turn those dials in a way that the next time you have an amazing win, we don't go back to baseline. We go, we can keep growing and and creating the happiness that we want without mm-hmm. avoidance and just working towards the next thing all the time. I think happiness is kind of a shallow goal, to be honest with you. Um in the same way that, you know, like we've been sold this idea that, you know, if you build it, they will come, which is like from a marketing perspective nowadays, we know that like that doesn't really work, you know, unless you've got like just a ton of cash that yeah. can enable you to like float the business indefinitely while enough word spreads and, and word of mouth takes over. Um you know, I think in many respects, happiness is is kind of a shallow goal. I think we should strive for improvement, mm. you know, um, and I, I think that's what ultimately creates this, this fulfillment that we are working towards, ever progressing towards a goal. Um, and that's why I love like the whole premise of this podcast, right? Yeah. Is because that's what it's all about. You're working towards something. You're in pursuit of something um, that you have yet to accomplish. Yeah, and, and it's really all about doing the internal work that you need to be able to bring that thing in, into reality. Yeah, because that's what that's what people struggle with the most. It's never like the logistics. It's never like the circumstances of like how do I write a book like. You can look up a YouTube video on how to do anything nowadays. Oh, you know, yeah, we taught before <laughs> like with YouTube. <laughs> yeah, right. Like anything, you know, like renovate a van. Here you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's working, guys. It's very helpful. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I really like that you said that towards improvement. And I think, like, I mean, it is why we have the, we why 
I mean, I've been being a Thai see it. It just like kind of, I didn't even know I was doing it until I was like, what am I doing? How, how am I doing these things? Oh, I'm just doing that. That's a very interesting thing. I think mm -hmm. like, and there's a, there's a difference between going, going, going. And like, as yeah. you said, doing the internal work so that you're improving. It reminds me of one of our guests from the beginning of the year. And he said every day he asks himself if like he's 1% better. Did he do the work that makes him 1% closer to the person he wants to be? And like that's the the Kaizen way. Yeah. Just like and it's like, you know, one percent, that's not a lot. So you're not you're not pushing yourself through a, a cement wall. You're you're actually like you're doing some internal work to, to take some action that's just enough to actually get the improvement, but not so much that you're not sitting still and being with yourself at the same time. Um mm -hmm. Jacob, you're so cool. I think that this book is really Thanks. awesome and needed. Um, we're going to take a brief break and then people can find out where they can follow you, get your book, and also your Beat Action Ms. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the past three years, we've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel totally energized and it makes me feel like I'm doing something healthy for myself. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Yeah, and you're probably wondering, like, how can you actually do it? No exceptions. I know you guys travel all the time. You've got a lot going on. You're running three businesses. Here's the deal. It's because it's that simple. So when we're at home, after I walk by own, and sometimes August, because sometimes he comes, I open up the fridge, I pull out the dog's wet food and the AG1. I pour my AG1, and if Brad's up, I'll pour his too. And then I give the dogs their food and we have this morning breakfast with all of our nourishing vitamins and minerals that we need to kickstart our day together as a family. But when we're traveling, what I love so much is these travel packs and they make it so easy to make sure that especially on the road when it's the hardest to get nutrition needs met, like it is impossible. I'm constantly like, is there a salad? Is there a bowl? Like, can I add more veggies to this Thai food? But I know because I have AJ1 in the morning, I am set to go. And it really does make us feel like we're doing things that are healthy for ourselves even when we hit the road. So you cannot make a mistake with AG1. It makes it really easy no matter how busy your life is or maybe your life is simple and you're gonna add something extra simple to it. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Okay, Jacob, where where can people get the book? Where can people work with you? Where can um, any of our male listeners or the people who are sending this to their male yeah. friends work with you? <laughs> totally. So uh, the best place to connect with me is on my Instagram, which is I am Jake Kaufman. So that's K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. You can find the book on Amazon, Let Love In, my full name, Jacob Kaufman, J-A-C-O-B-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Otherwise, you can also check out my website. You can sign up for my newsletter, which is awakewithjake.com, Awake with Jake. And I like it. I like the way it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think I'm going to... I think that might be the name of my podcast, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, no, no uh, ETA on that yet, but uh, stay tuned. And, um, but yeah, if you're interested in connecting here more about um, my work that I do with my private clients and my mentorship, 
um, or the men's groups that I run, the retreats that I hold, um, by all means, feel free to reach out on Instagram. Happy to share about that. The last thing is bold, executable, intrinsic target steps people can take to be it till they see it. What do you have for us? Ooh, so good. So in a lot of the work that I do with men, there oftentimes is almost a need to disconnect from their goals because mm-hmm. they actually, they they wake up to the reality that goals are, historically speaking, an unconscious attempt in order to claim victory over a lack of self-worth. It's a way in which they avoid their pain. So they become hypervigilant doers. That said, <laughs> I, I think it's quite bold to say to disconnect from those goals. I'll tell <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give people two things. Okay. Cause there's nothing inherently wrong with having goals in many respects. We need to have them to, to create more purposeful living. Here's what I would do is if you have a goal Write that goal down on a piece of paper and then double it. Because in my experience, Mm -hmm. we seriously underestimate our ability to generate results. So, you know, if it's a monetary goal, double it easy. If it's 100,000, make it 200,000. If it's to write a book in the next year, cut it in half. And say, I'm going to write a book in the next. Six, I'm going to write a book in the next six months. Mm-hmm. Some something like that, where you're you're doubling it or you're shortening the time frame, in an effort to push yourself or oh, challenge yourself. And then you're going to write down these these following things. You're going to write down why do I want the goal? What will this enable me to do? And then. How am I going to do it? That's your action plan. And then finally, you simply create a contract with yourself and you write down, I and your name am officially unavailable for any other outcome. And then you sign it and you date it. Mm. And then by when will you accomplish it? I love this. I'm saving this. I have a few things I was working on on my tour for goals I have for myself that I was going to figure out while we're on, on the road and I'm going to half the time or I'm going to double the thing. Yep. I love it. I, and then I'll write the yep. contract. There you go. So recap the goal yep. by, by when you'll accomplish it. Why do I want it? What am I hoping that this will do for me or allow me to do? How am I going to do it? And then I, your name am officially unavailable for any other outcome, sign it and date it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Jacob, thank you so much for being here, sharing your story and all just like really helping us rethink maybe some of the ways we think about some of the things we're doing in our life. Um, I'm excited for your book. I'm so happy it's out there. I think it's very necessary. And I Mm. I do believe it's gonna be life-changing for many. And also for these, I love them so much. Um, I already know some of our listeners who are going to be using them. Uh, So so y'all, how are you going to use these? Make sure you tag Jake on Instagram, the Be It Pod. Let us know. Show this is a friend who needs it. Um, That is how people often get healed. I had a friend recently post something and she's going through and I was like, I actually don't have the words, but I have a podcast. It'd be really good for her. So I just there you go. sent it to her and she was so grateful. And so, you know, that you have no idea how you can help people with doing things like that. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. 
One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your hosts, Leslie Logan and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website. And finally, to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. Hey, loves, it's me, Leslie, and I am excited to talk about socks because we need to talk about socks all the time because I love being barefoot. I am not a fan of shoes. You'll rarely see me in shoes. Even when I have people at my house and they're in shoes, I am barefoot or I'm in my toe socks and Tavi Active socks. And the reason is that I've got tile floors and um, they're not so nice to my feet. So I do love a cute sock. And I also only use their socks when I am doing Pilates. I love that they have an amazing sticky gripness to them. It also, when I'm teaching in other people's studios, having those socks on keeps me from slipping around in a studio and really allows me to root where I'm planted. Plus they're freaking cute. Have you seen toe socks and Tavi's socks? I mean, my goodness, they are the cutest styles all the time. The Barbie socks, I can't get enough of. I think I need to buy three pairs. So here's the deal. I want you to get yourself a pair of toe socks or Tavi Active socks, and you can go to beapod.com slash toe socks. That's going to take you over to toe socks. Feel free to explore a Tavi and you can use my discount code, Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y to make sure you save some money on your socks because the reality is, is you should just get the most amazing cutest socks and also save some money because you listen to this podcast. So make sure you check those out the next time you are looking for some socks to wear in Pilates, yoga, bar, or around your house like I do. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.